Man. Welcome to the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. First Merchants Bank, helping you prosper. Put it in the upper right-hand corner, just like a postage stamp. That's a good bingo! Get ready to learn more about the Columbus Blue Jackets players and coaches, as well as find out what's going on this week in the NHL. Now let's join Bob McGilligan and Jody Shelley for the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. Welcome to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets in the midst of a little bit of a break right now, which I've got to admit is uh, not so bad. The Blue Jackets played on Monday afternoon, beat the Vancouver Canucks in a shootout 4-3. to Don't play again until Friday night when they take on the New Jersey Devils right here at Nationwide Arena to wrap up a three-game homestand. Jody, that win on Monday against the Canucks, it was really much needed because the two previous games, you get shut out up in Winnipeg by a team that was number one in the league at the time. Then you come home, you take on a Seattle team that had an eight-game winning streak coming into the game, and they beat up on you a little bit, 7-4. to four. So to take on the Canucks, which were the number one team in the league at the time of that game on Monday, and to be able to grind it out and find a way to get two points, that was that's a pretty big win for this team, the way it's been going as of late. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Blue Jackets, you know, it's interesting because you look at the Vancouver Canucks, and you talk to Rick Tockett, and he talked about, the Blue Jackets to me the other day, and he said, how's uh, how's the head coach, Pascal Vincent, doing? And I said, well, we're hearing a lot about the process and, you know, practice habits and details of watching players on and off the ice. And Talk said, that's exactly what we did. He said, and it can be painful at times. Uh, it, you're not, you don't always get the results, but it'll churn over. This will turn, and things if he sticks with it, and things will happen. So it, it's, I know we hear Pascal all the time, and it's, you know, sometimes after losses, you want to hear him uh, vent about losing the game or, or things not going well, but he's very, very uh, methodical with his approach and how he understands the team and what they're trying to build. And now we're just over the halfway point, which is still young in his head coaching career, but there's also things that are changing. And things have stayed the same but gotten better. Maybe that's a good way to put it because he, imp- he implemented a system here coming into camp on his heels a little bit and with the head coaching assignment, which he's ready for. And he's trying to establish that, that uh, no-nonsense bar. He wants it set high, and it's set high. But, you know, when you scratch Patrick Laine, uh, people are going to talk about it. When you bench Johnny Goodrow, People are going to talk about it. When Elvis Merzlikens doesn't play for over two weeks, it's it's a hot topic. And it's all for the good of the team. And at the end of the day, if you're a player, like we're going to talk to Andrew Peak tonight, and he's a player that's going through a tough situation. I've been there where you know, you're know you in the lineup for a couple of years, playing really well, and then all of a sudden you come and you're not in the lineup, and you can't get in, and you're waiting. Then you're in, then you're out. Um, but all the decisions are made for the good of the team in the long run. And he understands that he's got a young team that needs to go through that word, the process. And it's good to see him get a result against a team that comes in here in the number one team in the league. And, you know, this team needs to be on point the entire game, uh, for them to get victories. And I thought the other night, the best players were the best players. And then the best player who's peaking right now in Cole Sillinger playing with Johnny Goodrow. Uh, and Chinikov, they were uh, a handful for the Canucks. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's easy to follow when you sit on the bench and you feel that energy from the top players. So a lot of things are coming together. There's still a lot of injuries with this team. Corrali comes back, which is a nice little boost for part of that game. Uh, some key face-off wins. And, 
you know, you got to you got to hand it to to Pascal and his group because um, it's not just a win; it's an important feeling this team needs to have. You mentioned Cole Sillinger and Igor Chinikov playing with Johnny Gaudreau. That's something that we probably wouldn't have had on our bingo card back in training camp, or maybe even a month ago. Quite frankly, but the way the Cole has taken off, um, he has put himself in that position, and he plays well with Chinikov. And it really looked to me, and I know it's only been two games, so it's a very small sample size. But it looked to me like Johnny Gaudreau finally found some guys that he clicks with. And, and he understands them, and, and he really knows how to make them better. You just look at the, the number of shots that they've picked up as a line in the last two games. Johnny's excited to play with Cole. And Cole has good chemistry with, with Yegor, who's emerging. We, we're seeing what he is. he's supposed to be and what he can be. He's got a powerful stride. Uh, he's extremely fast when he's on the puck. Uh, he's he's a guy that's got that shot, and he's finding a little more time and space, and keeping plays in motion because Johnny makes people stop. There's a it's a nice it's a nice combination with all those three. But you're right, it's Cole elevating his game and Yegor being healthy. One thing that we've found out over the past year and a half, Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Line on paper that looks like those guys are line mates, and this is terrific. You put them on the ice, it hasn't worked. It just hasn't clicked. There are times here and there, but as far as consistency, not so much. Some of that, I I have to wonder now, Johnny's a playmaker. Patrick is a shooter, but likes to be a playmaker. Looking to make a pass, looking to set something up. Chinikov, he'll pass it once in a while, but for the most part, oh, you're giving me the puck? I'm just going to shoot it. Is that why maybe that relationship with Johnny has worked out so well in the last two games? I think so. I think that he knows that. I think Chinnikov's a, a double or triple threat because he can skate it. He can keep the play, uh, attract attention, and, and let you get open. I think that's a key. He plays hard. Uh, his passes are wicked. I mean, they're hard, almost too hard to handle. But you want a hard, crisp pass because you're skating as hard as you can, and you want that thing to get there now. And and that's where Johnny's so good. And you look at the ingredients of of his line when he was in Calgary. You know he's got Lindholm, who's a smart playmaking center, uh, a confident guy that can that lets the game come to him. And then you got Kachuk, who's disrupting but also checking. And you know that those guys complemented each other so well uh, because they knew they just they were excited to play against or with each other. They knew the opposition was going to try to shut them down, but they had this momentum within the game and the season that they built. And with Line A, yeah, I think that I don't think that that complements Johnny extremely well, even on the power play, because everyone in the world knows what's happening. And when you only have two guys that are a threat, you need to have Zach Wierenski being a threat as well. You need to have Boone Jenner being a threat as well, which he has been. There needs to be other pieces, because when you look at the Washington Capitals power play when it was so good, Oshie Backstrom... Uh, Ovechkin, Carlson, you got the P and, and Kuznetsov when he was at the top of his game. The pieces are there that you can't just, you know, Ovechkin's sitting there, but that's why Oshie got so many goals in there. That's why Backstrom picked up points. It's because they collapsed the, de- the defense. Then you can set up Patrick Line, who's quietly on the other side. But with the only two threats out there and guys struggling, especially early this season, it was easy to play against. And uh, now they're starting to figure out some lines that are working. Uh, the emergence of Voronkov now. I mean, <laughs> this guy's just starting his NHL career. I mean, I-, I have to give this guy a ton of credit, Bob, because doesn't speak the language, okay? The linesmen need to have a relationship with the players to say, you know, you kind of earn respect. They're, they're always talking. Crowley's always talking. Boone's always talking. Sidney Crosby's always talking to the linesmen. 
It's a relationship. They want to be able to understand what everyone's trying to do. He can't do that. So he's getting kicked out, kicked out, kicked out. Now he's starting to understand. The arena is smaller here. There's, there's less time and space. Uh, and, and just to come in and play a system, you and I could put the skates on and go out there and they could tell us how to play in all three zones. It would take us probably two months to figure it out so he could just play. This guy's adapted so well. So I really like the combination of his brain, uh, his size, and his skill. Totally agree. That is a great combination. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Blue Jackets defenseman Andrew Peak as the Inside Edge presented by First Merchant Bank continues here on 97.1 The Fan. Let me see. Buckeyes, yes. Jackets, yes. Crew, yes. Fart noises. Hell yes. The Fan, Ohio sports destiny. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. Bob McElligot, Jody Shelley back here with you. We're presented by First Merchants Bank, of course. And tonight we are joined by Blue Jackets defenseman Andrew Peak. And Andrew, I know you've been playing hockey a long time. I know you've been a lot of places in your life, but you're a Florida guy at heart. Do you ever get used to the cold like we've had here in the last couple of days? Uh, no, not, not ever fully used to it. Um, I've been away from home since I was you know, basically 14 years old, so I've been up north for a long time, but... Uh, there's something about being from Florida that you know the, the way it touches your skin. I don't, I don't know if it ever hits the same. It, uh, I, I tend to think that this is a benefit to us because we're about to go to Western Canada. So maybe this is just kind of a hey, get ready because anything above like five, six degrees Fahrenheit, it, once we go out west, will be a warming trend. Yeah, no, this is just this is a straight cold to me. Uh, <laughs> I think anything under ten is where it all starts feeling the same, and it's just. Cold no matter what it is. Funny to hear that from a hockey player, right? Because I guess everybody assumes that, well, you're on the ice all the time. You should be assumed to the cold. I remember when my son was playing, you know what I hated the most? Summer practices. Because the last place, and I know it's warm outside, but the last place I wanted to go was into the rink in the summertime because it's one thing to be 85 and humid outside, but I'm just going to freeze in there. And I I just, I never looked forward to that. (laughs) That's what I'm used to. That's, uh, That's my normal. That's me over every summer. Or my childhood, too, so uh, that's what I'm used to. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. We really do appreciate it. And uh, you've been in the last couple of games, and I know that this year has been kind of a, a tough one for you because you haven't played as much as you have wanted to play. And what kind of a challenge has it been for you to be ready when called upon? Because sometimes that's even harder. Um, you don't play for long spans of time, and then all of a sudden, hey, we need you to play, and we need you to be perfect, and... If you can't do that, maybe we'll have somebody else do it. I mean, that the mindset of the, of the whole thing uh, has to be a huge challenge for you, I would think. Yeah, uh, the mindset, I, get, uh, I think, is definitely the hardest part of it. Um, yeah, it's not easy. Uh, there's, there's been tough days. Uh, there's been better days, you know, all the above. But, um, yeah, the mindset's the toughest part, I think. You know, the way, the way we train, the way we skate, everything like that, physically, you're always going to be in, in condition regardless of the situation. Um, I just think, you know, your mindset and mentally, you know, being prepared, um, you know, for whatever that, you know, day comes or whatever, you just have to be ready and and have to put yourself in the spot that, you know, you're going to play to your strengths and succeed. So, um, that's definitely the hardest part. And like I said, it's not easy. It's not something I've really been through in my career, but, um, you know, something, a situation I want to, I want to, you know, get myself out of too. You know, I obviously want to be playing every day and playing every game. So, you know, I've tried to take all those steps, you know, within myself to get there too. Did you struggle with it early on? Did you have to get yourself in a mindset? Um, I don't know if struggle is necessarily the right word. I, I just think it, it brought different challenges that, you know, you've never really, I guess, been through. When, when you play consistently, you find a groove or, you know, even if you don't have great games, you know, 
but you're still playing consistently. You know, you find little things to fine tune. Um, but you know, when you're in and out, it, it's a little harder. If if you, if you have a bad game, you know, you might be out right after again. So it's tough to really, you know, come back and fix the little mistakes that you made or whatever it could be. So there's a lot of different things that go into it. But um, you know, as you go, you learn. So uh, it's no fun. I've been there, and Andrew won't say it, but it it's it's miserable at times. And and you know, I credit you for you know when I went through it, I found other value: be a leader, be a good teammate. But at the end of the day, you just want to play hockey. So. Uh, I love when you're in the lineup. I think you do a great job out there, and, and we uh, we appreciate what you bring on the ice. But I won't harp on that. I want to go back to something you said. When you were 14, you left home. Where'd you go? Uh, prep school in Connecticut. Oh, did you? Yeah. Which one did you go to? South Kent. Yeah, and that was a totally new experience up in the new- Northeast, I bet. Yeah, it was uh, completely different. I was obviously just a kid from Florida. I didn't really ever know anything other than playing hockey down there and playing baseball and, and all, the, all those little things, and then the opportunity came and um you know my dad kind of looked at me and he goes if if you want to go for this and you know i think this is your one opportunity you're not going to get another one like it so jumped at it and obviously things worked out pretty well so how'd they find you uh it was the coach of the florida alliance 97 team and i'm a 98 so one year older he was going to be the assistant coach there so he we were obviously close connect and he went and got me and one of my uh, other teammates from the 98 team, and we both went up there. Now, you guys didn't play outdoor hockey. You didn't play. Did you play street hockey? What did you yeah. guys do? Yeah. Street hockey was roller skating, street hockey. That was our thing. But, uh, no, never found hockey. I mean, yeah, obviously you wouldn't play pond hockey. What, how much roller hockey did you play? I know Kent Johnson plays a ton in the off season still, but did you do any of that? Any outdoor roller rinks around? Uh, there's a couple roller rinks. I never did, like, uh you know what KJ does they're like kind of a league but just me and like a couple of the guys in the neighborhood yeah we're around my age we just hop on our rollerblades and just kind of buzz around and, and all those little things but nothing like I guess serious but we would just do it you know on a random Saturday and it, who who kind of guided you through the NHL I know you've had some good coaches down there Chickering's dad was a big part of your development uh is he still a guy you lean on uh yeah I mean we don't it's not like we necessarily talk or I know he's super close with my parents and my mom and you know Jacob's mom or you know some with some really good friends but um no I, I mean I just think throughout all my years of you know being away from home and you know having different coaches at different levels you know I've kind of just taken something away and I feel like for me I've been very independent since I had to leave home at such a young age so for me it's you know finding things within myself that you know can push me to that next level or you know test myself or find new challenges within myself that you know I really appreciate doing. And you played baseball? Were you uh, decent? Did you have a future in that at all? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a humble guy, but I think I was better at baseball than I was hockey. So is that right? Yeah, growing up in Florida, my the team we played on was pretty legit. I'm not gonna lie. Really? Yeah, because Severson is actually he had a, a good baseball in youth too, or, or a little little bit older as well. Yeah, no, I played. Our team in Florida was. Oh uh, yeah, there's a lot of. Division One MLB players or MLB system guys now that was on the team that I grew up playing on. It was it was pretty legit. I'm not gonna lie. Well, you, what, it, what position you play? Uh, second base, center field. Those are my main two. But my dad was one of the assistant coaches, so he just kind of put me wherever they needed me. I guess for he knew I would do it, so that's always how it went. See that Jody up the middle guy. Yeah, got to be important. See, yeah. Just like a D man in hockey, up the middle guy, you got to be strong. With are you right handed? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't, I played a little baseball in Canada, but it was all hockey all the time. And I'm just fascinated at, you know, guys that were great at baseball. You, so at 14, you had to make a decision, obviously. I was 12. When you decided? Was, yeah, because the travel with hockey you, in Florida, you have to go out, out of state if you want to play good competition. So um, it just got to be too much of my parents. And they're like, look, like, you just kind of have to pick one. And that, that year, I struggled with baseball, and it wasn't like I blew the water out of the park with uh, hockey, but I had fun with it. So I think I made a decision based on I was more pissed at baseball after that season that I didn't do well that I picked hockey. But at the time, I was def I was I was better at baseball. Now I'm confused because I you must have had to travel really far to get competition to play good competition in Florida for hockey because I would think baseball competition would be easy. Yeah. I, drive 10 minutes and play you know one of the best teams in south florida yeah right there yeah oh well, you said travel for hockey you had to travel more yes yes okay yeah so where would you have to go like what was the best competition uh detroit boston all the way up there chicago we'd go to dallas it was you know pretty much all the main hot spots we'd ever any tournament that was up there we'd be in it but there was once you got past about 11 or 12, all the Florida competition basically just groomed into one team. So there wasn't really anyone to play there. <laughs> and then you end up at Notre Dame. How did that happen? Um, the year going into my junior year of high school, me and my family did like a little college tour. Um, we were back in Florida over the summer, and I hadn't really seen any of those schools. you know. So we kind of did a bunch of schools at once, and Notre Dame was the last school that we visited on our, you know, kind of like 10 school trip or whatever it was. And um, right when I got there, I basically told my parents, I was like, I, there's just a feeling you had. I was like, if if they offer me, I'm, I'm coming here. I just had a feeling. And um, it was one of those, I was, you know, I loved school. I was really into it. So I wanted to do the best of both worlds, hockey and academics. And um, I think that's probably the best school you could do for it. So. Bob, I had the feeling, too, when I went to Notre Dame and walked in that facility. That is incredible. And your picture's on the wall there Yeah, as a captain. Yeah. You had a good run there. Yeah, I mean, I think the three years I was there, we we did pretty much everything possible besides win the national championship, which is pretty hard to say. So, And I'd have, I've seen a lot of setups. So I, don't, I don't think they could have done it much better in Notre Dame with the with the ice facility and that entire setup for you guys. No, it's, it's world-class. I was shocked when i saw it for the first time I'm like there's no way this is as nice as it gets right and the way they treat you they handle you uh they, you know treat you like a pro so that's you know it was important too you know it's funny when i was in san jose one of the owners was mr compton and him and his wife had done a big donation i think the arena is named after them yeah right? the Compton. did you meet them no they were never around no. very humble people but really proud of their alma mater yeah it, it, I, I agree with you, too, because I just told you a few minutes ago, I hate going in the rink in the summertime, but we were at Notre Dame for a baseball tournament when my son was seven. I think he was 17. Bob and, wants to talk baseball. No, I don't. No, we were there, but I went into the rink in the summer, so there there was a team on the ice there. There was a practice or something, but you're right. You walk in there, and you're just like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. I mean, this is a this is really good setup. Um, so I could understand how you could very easily get – Get locked in yeah. there. And it's right there. I mean, the football stadium's there. Everything is right there. It's, it's right behind the gate. Yeah. Uh, you get, yeah. Like, it's a different world once you turn in that gate. Yeah. Now, you said you were really into school. So what did you what did you take in school? What were you studying? Uh, I, my major was business management and consulting. Um, I don't know if 
the best way to put it, I was really into school, but I was always a good student was a, was a better way to put it. Um, so I, you know, it was important for my parents um, and myself, you know, to go to a, a school and get a degree and, and, you know, go that route. So um, I was always, you know, in a business and, and into that. And a lot of my classmates and teammates were, were in the school as well. So um, it worked out well. Got my degree a few, few years after I left. So it worked out. I, as a parent, you're always thinking, have a backup plan, will you? Yeah. Like, do your, I, I tell my own kid this now. I go, look, I know you're going to school to play baseball, but my God, have good grades, would you? Because yeah. we don't know what's going to happen with this thing. Um, but do you ever think that way as a player? I mean, was your mindset, hey, I'm going to do this and, and I'll get a chance to turn pro. This will be okay. But because you enjoyed school, it was, it was not like a burden for you. No, yeah. When you're playing hockey during season, it's not that's not the first thing on your mind is you know. First thing is I got to get this paper yeah, done by I Monday. Get, I got three get this games degree <laughs> right here. I need this placard right in front of me. No, but in in the back of your mind, I mean, you're you're also there, and you spend more time going to school than you are playing hockey. Actually, if you think about it, so um, at the end of the day, you're doing homework, you're doing all those things, so you're, you might as well just you know do well, and that's how I always was. And you know, there were some subjects I you know enjoyed more than others, but. You know, at the end of the day, I set myself up for when I left um, to sign here that I took a lot of credits by junior year, knowing in the back of my mind that, you know, I wanted to get this at the end of the day and I didn't want to be in a position where it would be impossible. So just setting myself up, I guess, you know, it's in the back of your mind a little bit. Yeah. We're talking with Blue Jackets defenseman Andrew Peak tonight here on the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank. We'll have more right after this on 97.1 The Fan. There's nothing Bo Bishop can't do well, except find competent co-hosts, Bishop and Friends. Weekdays from 9 to noon. The Fan. Kickstart the new year with the annual Fifth Line 5K presented by Ohio Health. Register now and take advantage of discounted pricing until February 10th. You'll run away with two game tickets, a Blue Jackets branded race shirt, and a shiny new medal. Register by going to bluejackets.com slash 5K. This is the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank. I'm Bob McElligot with Jody Shelley. And tonight we're joined by Blue Jackets defenseman Andrew Peak. How did you become such a good skater? I had this one coach when I was younger, John Griffin. In he, Florida? In Florida, yeah. And he just kind of worked locally. And he was the one who he was a coach when I was, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years old. I did skating with him for the next like three, four years, even though he wasn't my coach anymore. But he really, I think, took me to that next level or got me in a position to to play against better players and compete and skate with them because I was always more of a funky skater, lanky kid. Um, So he kind of helped fix up. Isn't it amazing that it never stops? The work never stops? Like you probably still work on everything every day. Oh yeah, there's there's <laughs> countless things that, especially now with how much skill and everything's coming into the game and how fast everyone is, you know, even kids that are 15 years old, you know, you could argue that they have more skill than you as a 25 year old player. But you know, there's so many new things that you have to learn, adapt, and you know, conquer. Basically, is it basically the same for you though when you get on the ice? Like you just know what you have to do. Like in a game, I mean, I mean, yeah. it's one thing you notice it in practice. But at a game, it's really, you know your role exactly in the defensive zone. Yeah, 100%. And I think that, you know, if I was to close my eyes and picture, you know, a perfect game for me, I'd, I'd know what that is. And I think that's important to have as a player is knowing, you know, what your role is and what's going to, you know, take you to be that consistent player. And for me, I, 
you know, I have that crystal clear in my head. And obviously with that, you know, it expands with, you know, scoring a goal or, you know, having a big hit or certain things like that. But, you know, I have that I, that image in my head. But those have to come to you. That That's the thing I see with, like, even Cole Sillinger is 20 years old. You know, you think about his game, first year, 16 goals. You know, it was kind of a – it was fun. Last year, struggled with injury, didn't really know where he fit in. But I feel like a guy like him, much like you, once you simplify your focus, like you know the simple game you have to play, everything else kind of just happens. And I, I think that's part of maturity. Would you agree with that? Like when you first came in, you wanted to do it all? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, 100%. You first come in, you know, you want to play power play or you want to play 20 minutes a night or whatever it could be. Score um, three goals. Score three yeah. goals, right. Like I think Silly, like for example, Silly this year, he adapted playing on the penalty kill and focusing really hard on that defensive role. And now you could see that by him doing that, his offense is coming and he feels comfortable up the ice and um, skating the puck. And you know, last game, I think he had seven or eight shots on that. Like that's unbelievable. And you could just see that his role is expanding because he adapted a certain role. And that's not easy to do as a player. It's, you know, honestly, just tip the cap to him be like, that's, that's awesome what you did and the way you started and now where you are. So, you know, little things like that. I, I just think it's important, Bob, because, well, I knew what my role was. It was very defined, but, you know, once you have that focus of every game, like as a winger, I would like have one thought in the defensive zone, one thought in the neutral zone, one thought in the offensive zone, and then everything else would kind of – then you, you play hockey. Otherwise, you get caught up in the system, and that is the worst thing to do. Yeah. How hard is it to be a shot blocker? I mean, what's what's the mindset? It's very <laughs> got to be crazy. I, that's what I think because I'm upstairs, and I'm like, okay, he's going to block this shot. But if I think about it for another three seconds, I'm like, there is no way I would jump in front of that thing. But it's something that you've really, you know, you've started to become a very, you've gradually, you've gotten better at it, and you just do it. What's the mindset in doing it? Uh, I don't really know. The <laughs> mindset's just, you, you know, that's a big part of who I am as a player, and having that intangible is, you know, huge for me as a player. And like we just talked about, you know, knowing that that's a bit a part of your role is, you know, important for me and my success. So I just take pride in it at this point. And yeah, there's some that hurt. There's some that, you know, you don't feel or anything like that. But um, I think there's a little bit of an art to it, you know, timing it, you know, being in the right place, knowing which side of the net you're taking. Um, and all the boys love it. So, you know, for the if, team. If, yeah, if one, yeah. Of the, if one of the guys blocks a shot, you know, you, I'm one of the first guys that's tapping the stick. You know, I appreciate those types of things. Um, and I know, you know, if I get a big block, they're doing the same. So all the boys love it. Who did you watch a lot? To, who do you try to take tips off of? Because I'm sure you still do it uh, to this day. Provorov's had some big ones already this year. I mean, when other guys are playing, do you kind of watch the way they approach it too? Yeah. I mean, you know, Goody, Provy, um, there's, you know, there's tons of defensemen that, that do it. One guy I watched growing up for a while was, you know, Jovanovski, and he was playing, you know, hard nosed game and would do those little things. Um, but no, you're just kind of, you're kind of watching everyone and, and just seeing, you know, little techniques, you know, which way they go down on which side of the ice, um, d- the depth they go from. So there's just things you pick up. Yeah. And of course, David Savard was really great at it. Yeah. When he was, well, yeah, exactly. When I, when I first <laughs> I mean, came you talking here, about I that's, that's like, a, that's like a front row seat to yeah. uh, education on that one, right? Yeah. No, I've seen him block some crazy ones. So, you know, my first year being up here, I was like, okay, this guy's, this guy's got some balls. So. <laughs> Hey, Pascal Vincent marvels as you as a teammate. He said that you're you're professional, you're a teammate, uh, ultimate teammate. What have you always been that way? Or is that just something right now that 
you understand your role in the team and it's like we just talked about team first mentality yeah i think a bit of both i think that's just you know how my parents raised me how i how i grew up um and obviously with the situation like i said earlier it's it's not easy you know i, I want to be playing every day I, I don't want to be in this position um and hopefully you know i can change that which is you know all you can ask for as a player um but no i, I know every day i have to show up and get ready you know like we talked about be ready for that next call and be ready for you know the opportunity to play in the game so i just got to do my thing on the ice work hard you know be a good teammate because you know if, if you're a distraction then that causes way more noise as you know so you know you just have to be a good teammate yeah i think that's just how i am naturally and and how my parents raised me so and i'll tell you it's not easy and um the approach to practice is big right i mean yeah. that's a big thing when you're in and out of the lineup i'll tell you a story one day um late in my career i went to practice with a really bad attitude like terrible attitude and after practice uh, the goalie coach was doing a drill i didn't want to do it i had this like i just like hated everything right yeah. so i look at the coach and i say what is this what is this dumb drill he says it's a high low tip drill for the goalie you don't have to do it i said i'll do it the high guy tips the puck and i get the puck in the face and break my face and i'm out for the next five weeks and i remember i was getting driven to the hospital i already knew it was broken and I was just thinking, man, the one day that you show up with the worst attitude, the worst possible thing could have happened. And I'll always remember that. It's just like, come on, you're in the NHL. You can work your way back in the lineup. Just come in with a good attitude. And, and that's exactly what you're doing. And, and um, you know, I know it's not easy to do, but, hey, just got to keep plugging away. And I'm sure you hear that all the time. Yeah. No, sometimes you get sick of hearing it, honestly. But, I know. Um, no. Challenging. There's definitely tough days, frustrating days, all the above. I'd be in your line if I said otherwise um but at the end of the day like you know you play in the NHL and when you get that opportunity to play the next game you have to be ready and you have to set yourself up for that and if you don't then you know shame on you so you were captain at Notre Dame at the end right yes so you know when you're talking about team first and not being a disruption and all that you know exactly how that is because you were you were running that team so if if somebody was in that situation and so now you're on the other side right I mean that's that's a great learning experience knowing the way you have to be now because you've been there before and and you don't want to disrupt it for anybody else 100 percent. you know through my time in Notre Dame I thought our teams were as close as they come and it led to you know three great years of success and especially being a captain I think you know you you just learn a lot of things you know being the middleman between the players and the coach knowing you know the distractions knowing players are always going to complain there's always going to be something to complain about and vice versa so you know managing that and being the best teammate you can you know only makes life easier as i guess in in a captain spot for boone for example if there's a guy that's showing up and not doing his job every day it only becomes an issue for booner as well and there's just a lot of things that brings you know that come with that so um you know best thing you can do is be a good teammate and that's all you can really ask for how's he doing He's getting, he's talking more and more every day, which is getting scary. Once those things come out, he's going to be running that mouth. But, uh, what do you think his first meal is going to be? Oh, man. I don't know. Like, I'm thinking I steak. Think steak but, and pasta, or something like that. Steak and potatoes. That's right up his alley. Have you been through that? No. I Well, I had a, like six root canals my first year when I got a puck to the face. Yeah. But so that was tough for like a couple days but nothing to that level i'm seeing some of the smoothies that he's taking down and staying away drinking tacos right oh it's it's getting out of hand it's getting out of hand 
They got to come off soon. I can't wait to see Boone out there with uh, that mouth going again. But I, I always think about that. I was thinking about that on the way driving to the rink today. Wonder what Boone's first meal is going to be? Because I know. I mean, it's the one, I had the broken face, like I said, but the jaw would have been. I, I I don't know if I could have handled it. No, it's got to be the worst. And Ugh. you carry pliers around, I think, just in case you get sick. You have to vomit. You have to then you cut the pliers. Yeah, sounds about cut right. Pliers. Thanks for that information. I think we'll end it right there. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> have a great day. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Andrew. Thank you so much. Um, again, true pro. That's what you are. Glad you're getting a chance to get back in there and play. Wish you nothing but the best, and uh, good luck, and stay warm. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right, that is Andrew Peak, Blue Jackets defenseman. We'll be back to wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge here on 97.1 The Fan. Buckeyes, Jackets, Crew, and Panama Ted yelling about something being too hot. I don't understand it either. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. <laughs> 2024-25 ticket plans are on sale right now. You can choose the games and the seats that you want while scoring bonus ticket rewards, food and merchandise discounts, and incredible ticket savings. Learn more by going to bluejackets.com slash ticket plans. Bob McElligot, Jody Shelley with you, ready to wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. And Jody, the trade deadline is something that is now being talked about a lot around the league because it's coming up. In just a couple of weeks, uh, every team has had their pro scouting meetings now. They've all compared notes. They're all ready to go. It, it's funny. Uh, there was a day last week where, you know, you look on social media and people are saying, you know, looking at how many scouts are at this game and that game. And I saw people uh, saying, the Blue Jackets have three scouts at the Florida Panthers game. Like it was a big deal. And maybe it was. Maybe it was. But. The pro scouting meetings were also in Fort Lauderdale, so it would be easy to get three guys over there. Not saying that there's not a potential deal there somewhere. I have no idea, but uh, that one just made me chuckle because I knew all those guys were already in Florida. Those guys do not miss a hockey game, Bob. (laughs) If there's a hockey game within two hours driving distance, the scouts are there. So, yeah, that's probably a very accurate uh, opinion you have there. It's funny about that. Uh, I know you talk to scouts all the time, and I do too, and they're like – I'm like, hey, where you been lately? Well, I was in Cleveland for the afternoon game, and then I came down here, and then uh, tomorrow uh, Rochester's going to play in the afternoon, and I can get Hershey at night. And I'm like, you're out of your mind. No, that's that's <laughs> what they do. They watch, you know, guys watch over 200 games a year, which is, um, I mean, it's fascinating to see these guys. So that's what they do. They love it too, which is, uh, and when we get to talk to them, they always have so many good questions. Oh yeah, they do. They're they're always doing their homework. Even when it seems like they're not doing their homework. <laughs> I walked away from conversations and I was just like, I just had information extracted from me and I thought we were just talking. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, so let's talk about this. The Blue Jackets this past week. Look, Elvis Merzlikens, it's a situation. He didn't play since December 29th and then he played on Monday. He got the win in the shootout. In between there, he talked about how he and his agent have talked about a different scenario and have talked to the Blue Jackets. He said on Friday he didn't make a trade request. He said after the game on Monday that, well, since I made a trade request, so I don't know what's going on there. But when you look at the market, because now a lot of people have since that came out, you look at the the, uh, the insiders uh, throughout North America, and they're talking about this trade could be made, that trade could be made. There are teams that need goaltenders. There's no doubt about that. But there are other things that factor in. Contract, length of contract, um, you know, how you make those kind of deals. And in listening to some people in the last couple of days, they don't really see a market for Elvis per se. 
by the trade deadline, that would, and I've been saying this all along because of the contract, probably a summertime thing if they do move on. But don't forget, before you get all rattled and upset, Connor Hellebuck requested a trade last year from the Winnipeg Jets. He then signed a long-term contract, and he's playing there. So no matter what goes on with a player at any point in time and when they get frustrated, maybe they say something, I don't think you ever have a situation where you cannot turn back. You can always you can always change your mind, or something can change that will change the situation. So um, I don't know what's going to happen with that, but it's been – it's created a lot of talk in the league this week. Yeah, you know it has, and, and Elvis is a good goalie. He, you know, he's had pretty good numbers this year. Uh, he's a guy that definitely wears his emotions, uh, you know, right on his forehead. He's a guy that you know how he's feeling, uh, body language in the game, uh, emotional guy that sometimes gets over involved. And this is a situation he didn't like, and he, he handled it this way. And it, it's, um, you know, it's too bad because. You know, Pascal Vincent is trying to get this room right. And we just talked to Andrew Peake, who's a team first guy. Okay. And, and when you have guys like that in the locker room, you really, uh, you really are proud of, of what they're trying to accomplish because it's, it's not always about you. Of course, it's about you, your parents and your neighbors and everyone, uh, wants the best for you. And you're all, you're the, all you talk about as a professional athlete. Uh, every conversation is about you and what you're doing and cause you're the star, but you're a piece of a team. And right now it just seems like he's not fitting in with the team as well as he should. And, you know, it's one of those things where you hope he understands that you just go out there and do your job when you're called upon. And, you know, Pascal Venson has sent messages already this year there's three goalies which is a tough situation for anyone uh and you hate to see Elvis say those things and want and and have that type of request but you're right it's not something that can't be patched up and and somewhere in this process I hope it shakes out and I think it will where uh, this Blue Jackets team will be fine it'll be a situation where they'll work it out with Elvis and every the dust will settle and he'll play hockey and play well because every player has had a point in their career where they look back and it's been a turning point. And hopefully that's what works out for him and the Blue Jackets organization. And if not, they don't have to trade him until they get what they want for him. Unless they're just looking to get move on from him, which I don't think that situation is. So we'll see. He's a player they've invested in. Uh, he's he's a part of this team. Uh, he had a great celebration the other night against the Vancouver Canucks. His you know, teammates were happy with how he played and how they got the win. Uh, let's see what happens today. I, I always have that approach, and I've been in locker rooms where, you know, there's been some uncomfortable talks, some uncomfortable situations, but we've handled them inside the locker room, and I, I think that's where Elvis uh, might have went a little bit on his own there, where you know maybe maybe those conversations need to be kept in the locker room for the best of the team, but it hasn't, uh, so they'll have to figure it out in there, and and hopefully. Um, it gets ironed out. Jody, thank you very much. Appreciate thank you, Bob. It. My we'll pleasure. Do it next week from uh, one of your favorite places in the world, Western Canada. Yeah, I love Western. I'm going to see Ned and Doreen Shelley. My mom has already asked me what I want for dinner on Sunday when we get there. So you put it you're in the welcome order? to come. You know, I, I we yeah no, I haven't actually yet. <laughs> but um, you've been out there for dinner, right? No. Oh, you haven't? No. Why don't you come out? They'd love to have you. All right. Sunday night, um, Ned and Doreen. We've had there was one time. Do we have time for a quick yeah, story? Yeah, go ahead. There was one time um, when I was with San Jose, Joe Thornton was uh, on the team, and during the father's trip, he'd met my dad, and my dad had said, 
Joe, when you get to Edmonton, come on out to Sherwood Park, which is 25 minutes from our hotel, and we'll cook you a steak. He said, oh, I'll be there. I didn't have to say a word to Joe Thornton. I didn't say a word before anything. The bus pulls up to the hotel. This is like months later, and Joe looks at me and goes, all right, Shelly, uh, what, what time are we going out to your mom and dad's for a steak? I said, yeah, and I have my dad and my brother there with the truck just in case it came up, right? Because, you know, it's 25 minutes. We're in Alberta. It's minus 30. Anyways, we get out there. I didn't tell my mom who was coming. And the look on her face, I'll never forget. It was Rob Blake, Claude Lemieux, Jeremy Roenick, Joe Thornton, Dougie Murray, and Ryan Clough. And my mom had, the beer was all out in the snowbank. The bottle of wine was open. And my mom had enough steaks to feed us all and dessert. It was incredible. So anybody can come, Bob. All right, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Sold. They'll be just as happy to see you as they were to see that crew. Uh, I, I've met them before, and it is... Uh... It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. All right, so that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Inside Edge. Again, the Blue Jackets at home Friday night, 7 o'clock game against the New Jersey Devils. Get your tickets by going to bluejackets.com. Thanks to Andrew Peak for being our guest tonight. And that's going to wrap up this edition of the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. Thanks for listening to 97.1 The Fan. All your favorite fan shows are available when you want them. Head to 971thefan.com and hit that subscribe button. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM, HD1 Columbus.